This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Continue on. Last week, what did we talk about? Words. The power of words. And I... I've talked to, actually, I had a, quite a few of you contact me this week and, and say thanks for the message. It was kind of difficult. I told you that Dad had asked me to speak specifically on this topic, the power of words. And I, and I thought, well, that's going to be really easy. And, and really it is. And the problem is, that's why I was just telling Miss Marilyn, it almost seems too simple because we know this. But this is something we've got to hear today. Words are a big problem today. And I, real quick before I start, I looked up real quick on, on Google earlier in the week, some well-known lies. Words that we hear all the time that are well-known lies. Tell me if you heard these. The check is in the mail. No, it's not. I'll start my diet tomorrow. Didn't get much response on that one. We guarantee everything we sell. How about... Give me your number, and the doctor will call you right back. No, you're going to be calling. If you're not satisfied, your money will be cheerfully refunded. We'll see. Or when you see the infomercials. This offer is limited to the first 100 people who call in. Like there's somebody there counting each call. You're 101. I don't think so. Your luggage isn't lost. It's only misplaced. Or we've all heard this. This hurts me more than it hurts you. I guess you become a parent, and there is a little bit of truth to that, but this is one I hear all the time. I just need five minutes of your time. <laughs> Bull. <laughs> your table will be ready in just a minute. And last one, open wide, this shouldn't hurt a bit. We've all heard these lines so many times, and things like that, that we don't even hear the phrase anymore. We just hear empty words. Everybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like we teach our children. My buddy Aaron's in here this morning, back from Boy Scout camp. Me and Aaron have had some talks lately about <laughs> saying something. Okay, I told you you were going to be grounded if you did this. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I won't do it next time. I won't do it next time. I won't. I've heard that before. <laughs> we got to stick with what we said. Because right now, what you're saying is empty words. We've all been there, right? We've all made empty statements. We said in a moment to get what we want, that it was just empty. You ever had somebody in your life who you saw every now and then in a store or something, every time they walked by, they're like, hey, we need to get together sometime. Yeah, we sure do. And you keep on walking like <laughs> a bunch of bull. Or somebody who walks by and says, hey, how you doing? And then keeps on walking, doesn't stop and hesitate. Oh. They don't want to know how I'm doing. Empty words, right? We talked last week, I'm going to wrap that up for just a minute. We talked last week about how words have shaped our world and can continue to shape our world. Our politicians have teams of speechwriters making sure that every little word is correct to make the point that they want to make and to avoid any loopholes because we live in a society that looks for loopholes in everything, right? Talked about the lengthy contracts just to install an app on your phone sometimes, you got to scroll down nine pages to hit agree because of all those words. And we talked about how often social media gets us in trouble. I won't spend any time on that. But words have immeasurable power. I gave you three points. The first one was 
God shaped the world with his words. God could have chose anything to create the world, but he chose to give power to words. He gave the power to words. And with those words, he said in Genesis chapter 1, let there be light, and there was. And then he goes on with his words, create the sky, the land, the seas, the plant life, the sun, the moon, the stars, night, day, fish, birds, land animals, and man. We talk about how all power is in God's word. All authority is in God's word, and all of creation responds to God's word. That's what I'm going to get into maybe next week. That's what's so powerful about the name of Jesus when we speak it. Amen? So God creates everything by his word, and he creates everything in perfection. And then we messed it all up, right? Mankind comes along, and very shortly there, just messes, just messes everything up. And so what does God do? He speaks again, and he speaks covenant, and he speaks promise. And God kept those promises, and he kept his covenant with us as mankind, even when we as mankind broke our promises to him. And so what does he do? He sends us salvation through his son Jesus, who in John chapter 1 verse 14 is called the Word. The Word made flesh, right? And that's why it says we confess with our mouth words, and we back that up with the belief in our heart, and we're saved. We become a new creation, correct? So words are powerful. God gave us mouths, and so he wants us to speak words. Well, that sounds dumb, because we speak some stupid words sometimes, don't we? Sometimes it seems like we speak more stupid words than good words. I was listening to a sermon this week that was sent to me, and it had nothing to do with this, but it kind of got me going a little bit different direction. You know, I talked back several weeks ago about God's design for sexuality. And I got thinking about this, about how sexuality is, was created by God and it was the most beautiful expression, it is the most beautiful expression of intimacy between a husband and a wife. And it's so powerful that it births life. God created it. And it's awesome. However, when taken outside of the boundaries that he created, it can be extremely destructive and can lead to death. And in the same way, our words, if we use them within the boundaries that God set, they can birth life. They can be creative. They can speak blessing. But if we use them selfishly, we know that they can be extremely destructive and they can lead to death, right? So God shaped the world. Number two, I said we shaped the world with our words. The things people say can either lift us up or tear, tear us down. We, we may not remember the words we spoke to somebody in a moment, but they remember. It may not have meant anything to us, but the way they took it in a moment, they remember. Talk about our words are powerful, and they're like a loaded weapon. And the old saying that the, the tongue is the only tool that grows sharper with use is very true. Words can be a source of joy or pain, happiness or sadness. And we went into James chapter 3. James, the brother of Jesus, writing this. And he talks about, in one version it says, if you can tame the tongue, you have become a fully mature believer. Do we have any fully mature believers in here? No. Basically, if you break that down, it's kind of saying that you could tame every other part of your life before you could tame the tongue. It's a difficult one, isn't it? And he goes on, he talks about taming the tongue. He talks about the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth, the rudder of a ship, a spark that starts a forest fire. Because words have started wars, 
Words lead to divorce. Words destroy self-esteem. Words cause people to lose their jobs. Words change the course of our lives. And we talked about how sometimes there's fires that we will start. Most of us probably have started fires with our words that we weren't able to put out. And maybe it broke off relationships. We burnt bridges with our words. We probably have things we regret to this day because of that. Um, I, because I got two of these this week, Crystal, where's Crystal? I saw Crystal Lawson. There she is. Crystal and Chris Bounds both sent me the same thing on Facebook within just a short time. And so some of you may have seen this this week, but because I got two of them, I thought I'd send this. This was posted to Facebook this week. A middle school teacher handed out tubes of different products and asked the students to squeeze out the contents. Once everything was, uh, when, once everything was out of each tube, the teacher asked the students to then put the contents back into the containers. As hard as the students tried, they couldn't do it. The teacher said, in, the moment, in that moment, you were so consumed with what you were doing that you didn't realize the mess you were making. Then after it was so quickly and easily poured out, you realized it was impossible to put back in. Remember this for the rest of your lives. When it comes to your words, when it comes to the words that come out of your mouth. It's good, isn't it? And the third thing I talked about, I didn't spend much time on because I'm going to talk about it later, but we can change the world with his words. And all we got to do is look at the Great Commission in there. God told us to go into the world and preach the gospel. Uh, the message Bible says to announce everywhere. That's talking about speaking words, isn't it? And what does that do? It goes on in the next verse talking about how it can bring life to those who are lost. So I'm going to spend a few minutes today. This is going to be a little bit heavier, but I, I want to talk about words that hurt. How many of us have ever had someone speak words to us that hurt? How many of us know that we've spoken words to others that hurt? Everybody can tell a story. We all have those moments that we look back and we remember where somebody said something to us, about us, something they called us, some gossip that began to get around about us because people were talking and some of us, it derailed our life for a period of time. And some of us are probably still carrying some of those things to this day. It may have happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. And you know, sometimes it doesn't matter, right? Time heals all wounds. No, it really doesn't, does it? So I'm going to give you a, a few things. And like I said, this is simple. We know these things, but we've got to hear them, especially with the day and age in which we live. So number one, words can be devastating to us. And I want to start this by saying, you do realize that words affect our physical bodies as well. I, I I'm not bringing the spiritual aspect into this, okay? How many of you have ever had words spoken over you or spoken to you that made you ill? Truly. You were so sickened and, and, and your body responded in that manner. Uh, Dad had given me a book called uh, Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Wow. Maybe he needs feels I need to switch on my brain. Anyway, there's a statement in there that says, it, she said, and I'm quoting, it says, research shows that 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life. That's pretty crazy. The words that we think, 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness. Now, I'm going to talk probably next week or the week after, I'm going to talk about words of faith and, and, and the spiritual aspect of the words we speak. But I, I, I had a grandmother... I don't remember how many times I heard her say, my mother died of Alzheimer's 
My aunt died of Alzheimer's. I hope I don't die of Alzheimer's. You know what she died of? Alzheimer's. Words can impact our physical bodies. They're that powerful. Words can impact destiny. I got thinking about this. With the day and age in which we live, there's a lot of questions that are being asked specifically of the church today and of Christians. The world is looking in. And people who have grown up in the church but haven't been really grounded in the faith are asking questions. Did God really say this is the best way to live? Is that really what God's saying there? That was a different day and age. Things are totally different today. Did God really say not to live your life this way? Did he really say not to participate in this? In talking about sexuality back a number of weeks ago, did God really say to keep yourself sexually until marriage? Did he really say that? It was a totally different day back then. I'm in a committed relationship. I may not be married, but I'm committed. I mean, that's, that's got to be a, God's got the whole world in his hands. Doesn't he have more to worry about than me getting a little satisfaction? People are asking these questions, right? Did God really say, and it sounds just like Genesis chapter 3, did God really say, don't eat of that little piece of fruit? Does it really matter? There's thousands of trees. There's millions of pieces of fruit. It looks good. There's one right back there. He'll never see it. It's got to be just like all the rest. Why does it matter? Did God really say? It's the words of the enemy. Those four words. Did God really say? What does it do? It inspires doubt in God's word. And that is dangerous. And it brings us to a scary place that we see our culture today. The words we speak are powerful. The words that are spoken to us can devastate us. There was a guy a number of years ago, just a few years ago, actually, that was part of this church that some of you would know if I spoke his name. And uh, he moved away. But I always noticed that he, he had a real hard time talking about his family, especially his father. And one of the last serious conversations I had with him before he left, he broke down. He was so angry. He was so mad. And he was just crying his eyes out. And he's talking about his father. He said from the time, as far back as he could even remember, his dad hardly ever even called him by his name. He just referred to him as faggot. Stupid faggot. That's all he ever heard. That guy today, I still communicate with here and there. He's a... Uh, God, that's tough. Phew. He's a, he's a very wounded guy. And today he has HIV. And he's in a homosexual relationship. We still talk from time to time. But I thought, my goodness, the words that were spoken over this young guy's life. What if it had been different? Um... You know, as a pastor, you hear things. You know, something that's really tough is you get married couples come in, and not picking on the ladies, but usually it's a lady talking about her husband that says, why can't you be more like her husband? You want to know what's really tough? I've heard multiple times wives who have said, why can't you be more like Pastor Bob? Why can't you be more like Pastor Rob? I'm going, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. You do realize I will not be able to speak to your husband again. He's not going to hear one word. 
that I'm as far from perfect as they come. And my dad would say the same thing. Please, we, we, when we compare our spouse to someone else, we are saying what they hear is, you are not good enough for me. You need to be someone different for me. And as a youth pastor, you hear a lot of this. You know, families walk into every church on Sunday morning, and many times the ones who look the most perfect are the ones who have the most issues. And you learn real quick. <laughs> Just spend a little time with your kids, and it's like, oh, wow, there's some issues in that house. <laughs> Isn't it true? It's true. And you don't know how many times I've heard that. Kids say, hey, my parents always say, why can't you be more like your sibling? She always does everything right. How many young people say they've heard their parents tell them you're such a disappointment? You understand, it's not saying I'm disappointed in you. It's saying you are a disappointment. That right there is what we talked about a few weeks ago. That's shame. That's not saying you did something wrong. It's saying there's something wrong with you. And that takes healing. You know, and even bringing it down a little more casual, I remember a few years ago, we were having a Wednesday night service, and we had youth service going on back here. And I remember getting some things ready, and several of the youth had arrived early, and there was a girl, and she came in, and she had just seen this brand new movie that had just come out. And she's telling everybody, and she's got them in a set, there's seven or eight of them around, and she's telling them about this brand new movie. And she's so excited that she was the first one to see this movie, and it was awesome. And she's telling them all, and all of a sudden, this other girl walks in, walks in the surf, and goes, What movie are you talking about? And she said it, and, and she goes, I saw that movie, it was stupid. That little girl's head just kind of fell, and she never spoke again in that conversation. And I remember watching it all kind of from the side and thinking, why do we shut people down? Why do we have to burst their bubble in a moment? Why do we have to express our stupid opinions sometimes that don't matter in the slightest? That didn't accomplish anything except to shut her down in that moment. But we all do it sometimes. And then how many suicides do we hear about, how often we hear about suicides that have occurred because of cyberbullying and different things like that. People know now that they can shoot a little video without anybody knowing and they can post it online and for the whole world to see. All of us can probably say that negative words have impacted and shaped our lives to a certain extent. Second thing I want to mention, so first words can be devastating. Second thing I want to mention, our words can devastate others. Look, our words have such amazing power and we're the ones that give them power. We do it. Because we take every liberty to say just what we want to say. Whether it's in the heat of anger, whether it's getting back at somebody because of something they did. How many of you are guilty of ever stretching the truth to make yourself look better? Maybe it's getting angry at your spouse and just cutting loose with words. We are the ones that use words as a weapon. We make words a weapon. It's so easy to do. Y'all turn with me real quick to Proverbs. I think it's in the note sheet. By the way, my apologies, as it's been pointed out to me about six times now, that the date on the sheet is wrong, and it says number one on it when it's actually number two. So if you can scratch that out if it bothers you and put part two and put June 21st. It's my apologies. I did that in a hurry. Um. Proverbs chapter 18, and we know that Proverbs was written by who? Solomon. King Solomon. He was considered the wisest man, right? Wisest man to ever live. 
So if there's anybody we want to go to for a little counsel, King Solomon would be a good one, right? So he's writing here in Proverbs 18. I'm actually going to read to you from the Common English Bible. So if you don't have that, you can um, look on your notes or look on the screen. But just, just listen to this. Proverbs 18, verses 2 through 8. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing their opinion. Opinions are like armpits, right? Everybody's got one, and many times they stink. When the wicked arrive, when the wicked, wicked arrives, so does contempt. With shame comes insult. The words of a person's mouth are deep waters, a bubbling stream, a fountain of wisdom. Favoring the wicked isn't good. It denies justice to the righteous. The lips of fools make accusations. Their mouths elicit beatings. The mouth of fools is their ruin. Their lips are a trap for their lives. The words of gossips are like choice snacks. They go down to the inmost parts. Oh, that was awesome. And if you jump down to verse 21, we know this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And then I think you've got in your notes there too, Luke 6.45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You've heard you are what you eat. You are what you say. People will know us. They will know about us by the words that we speak. Most of us, hopefully, have never beaten or abused our children but how many, of us, how many of us could say that we've been abusive sometimes with our words toward our children? And nobody wants to raise a hand. Right? We have all said things to our children that we regret. True? Thank you. Appreciate it. Where does this come from? Well, as I like to do, let's look at our culture for just a moment. You can turn on the TV, and multiple times a day, you can turn on TV shows that are just there to talk about people. Access Hollywood, Inside Edition, Extra, Entertainment Tonight. You can catch TMZ a couple times a day. What filth? Isn't it? It's all there. The only reason those things exist is to talk about people. You've got a whole network dedicated talking about people. How many of you have ever seen, not that I've ever watched it, okay? <laughs> How many of you ever seen the, the, whatever that worst dress show they do? Every time there's a red carpet event, they do the big worst dress thing. It used to be Joan Rivers used to do it, I think, and now her daughter and the, the Osborne girl and whoever, they do the worst dress show, and they, and they show all these pictures of people in the red carpet, and they're like, boo, and, and you know, all this stuff. You know, and we look at that, and we think, okay, these are celebrities, they're not getting anything but a boost from this in reality. But you know what? This spills over in our homes. It becomes common to talk about people, to criticize people. It spills over into the church. It spills over into our schools. And our kids come home doing it, just loose with their lips, saying whatever comes, not understanding the damage that it causes. So I Googled real quick tabloid covers. Because how many of us... It's so colorful, you know? Maybe I'm just a guy, but every time I get in the grocery store line, I end up turning and looking, and man, crazy stuff in the grocery store. Isn't it true? I, I pulled up a few of them. Now, the first one I think is a little old. Go ahead and hit that first one there, Jenny. 
Okay, so yeah, Ted is dead. But dying Ted's desperate gamble. Man, he called in faith healers. Did y'all know that? Man, I hope he did. Come on, Jesus. A dancing star caught in a love triangle. Jennifer Hudson, her anguish. Don't you want to be a part of that? Hit the next one. Angelina attacks, but look at her bloody, his bloody nose and her bloody hand. You believe that? My goodness, Charlie Sheen, cocaine. That's the only time he did it before his arrest? Goodness. Hey, but you can drop weight fast like Janet and Jessica. Hit the next one. Oh, good old Shania. She was so betrayed. Makes me so angry at her husband. Tell you what, man. It's ridiculous. His alleged affair with a close, close friend there. Hit the next one. Hit the last one. Oh, and Kim. I mean, constant fat injections. Look what she did to her booty. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> she is in the middle of a body crisis. <laughs> She's been taking some toxic face, face fillers. Terrible stuff. Did y'all know? <laughs> Do what? Shauna said, please take that off. <laughs> I wish I had ne- Okay. <laughs> I truly wish... <laughs> there's, I, I truly wish I'd never heard the name Kardashian. They, they have destroyed the life of every guy that's come into their lives for fame. It's terrible. And everybody just reads, wants to read everything about it. Do you know that People Magazine... I looked it up. People Magazine is received by 4 million people a week. It's a weekly magazine. 4 million people a week. They're estimated that they're going to make $2 billion this year. You know what bugs me about that? I looked this up. Did you know that two, uh, I'm sorry, 25,000 people will die today of hunger? And People Magazine makes over $5 million a day to talk about people. But 25,000 will die because they're hungry. I think we have our priorities a little mixed up. This is the culture that our kids are growing up in. Talking about people in this manner is okay. So we may not be abusive physically, but we can sure, like I said, elicit beatings with our mouth, can't we? I have the right to my opinion. I had the freedom of speech. Got the freedom to keep your mouth shut too. Sometimes the wisest thing we can do is learn to keep our mouth shut. In a moment. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Many of you know this. Once again, from the CEB version. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. What do grandparents always say? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We always thought that was so stupid. And it's so true. It's so easy to use our words to beat others, to get revenge, to hurt others in reality in the same way that we've been hurt. But we're called to be different. We're called to build others up. And so you've probably heard this before, but what do we do? They say, before you say something, ask yourself three questions. Number one, is it true? Number two, is it kind? And number three, is it necessary? And we learn these things in elementary school. But we need it. Asking ourselves, is it true? Man, that's a big one today because we, sometimes we don't know what's true. I tell you what, before you put anything on Facebook, check Snopes first. Snopes, you know, tells you whether the article you're reading is true or not. There are so many things going around, and I've seen Christians get so mad over it. Okay, 
that article wasn't even true. It was fake. We got to chill out. There's a lot of stuff going out there just to stir people up. Is it true? Did you hear it with your own ears? Or is it second person, third person, 17th person coming you know, through? We've got to see if what we're going to say, is it true? Number two, is it kind? Does it truly build up? Does it help? Does it encourage? And lastly, is it necessary? Look, so much of what we say is just not necessary. And this is where even as parents we struggle because we can get so frustrated and our kids will push our buttons and push our buttons and push our buttons. The next thing we know, we're not just correcting them, we're saying things that aren't necessary. So instead of correcting a behavior, we say things like, God gave you a brain, why don't you use it? Well, it's true, God gave them a brain and they do need to use it. And so it does meet the first one. Or we say things like, why would any rational person do what you just did? Things that just aren't necessary. It spills over from bringing correction to saying things that aren't necessary. What are we doing then? We're tearing our kids down. Why would any rational person, once again, we're bringing shame. We're saying, you're not good enough. Jesus blessed us with his words, and his words have changed the course of our lives forever. We've got to be like Jesus. Our words have to be different from those of others. Last thing I want to mention to you, oh goodness, uh, only God can heal the wounds of words. I promise you, there are those of us in here in our 50s and 60s and 70s that are still raw because of words that were spoken into our life. Only God can heal that. We all have the stories, and sometimes I understand that those wounds are so deep that we don't know what to do. But I was reading in 1 Peter this week, and 1 Peter 5, man, caught me again. And I, I looked at it in a new way as I was writing this. 1 Peter 5 hit me. And so we're going to look there at 1 Peter 5, 10. It says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The NIV says, He will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The New Living says he will restore, support, strengthen, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Now, I've heard the scripture used before. It says, after you've suffered a while, like God wants you to suffer. Uh, okay, that's, I, I don't believe that's what this was saying at all. I want you to understand that Peter was writing this to the church. He was writing it to people who were supposed to be established Christians. They were walking with the Lord. They were supposed to be growing in the faith. Does that make sense? So this wasn't unbelievers. This was believers. And he's speaking this, he's speaking it as a, as a blessing, he's not speaking it as a handout. Like after you suffered for a while, if you beg, God will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God, make it all okay. Bam, it's okay. It doesn't usually work like that. What he's saying here is in your journey, because God promised there would be suffering. He's not bringing suffering on us, but there is suffering in life, isn't there? I heard somebody say that a little while back. God never promised us happiness. Happiness is contingent on our environment. He never promised that. He promised that we could have joy in the midst of the storm, but he never promised happiness. He did promise suffering. He did. He said, you will suffer in this life. But he promised that he would be our firm foundation. And when the storms came, we'd still be standing firm. So he's saying here, what I see him saying is, in this journey of life, as you walk through the storms and you walk through the trials and you walk through the struggles, he's saying, may God perfect you and establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. 
How many of you would say that some of the words that have been spoken into your life took you into a stormy time, a time of suffering, a time of trials? I looked up each one of those words, perfect, establish, strengthen, settle. It just got me because I thought this is what we need. This is the process that we walk out. And so I looked each one of those four words up in the Greek. Perfect means to render, to mend what has been broken, to repair, and to complete. So this is when we're so wounded, we're so down, and God, and as we turn to him, as we allow him to, he begins to come in and he begins to stitch up those wounds in us. And it's tough sometimes. Have you ever had stitches? I haven't. I've seen it in movies. <laughs> um, and it looks like it hurts. But God comes along, he begins to stitch those wounds. And it's difficult. But that's part of his perfecting process. And we allow him to do it. And we're like, God, perfect me, complete me, repair me, mend me. We open up to him with these things. And as he's, as he's mended us, as he's stitched our wounds, he comes in and says he established it to make stable, to set something, to render constant. He comes along with his grace and he puts an arm around us and says, you got to keep on going. And he begins to walk us along and we still got these wounds that are healing, but I just pictured it in my mind, you know, we're, we're kind of limping along the way, but he's walking with us and he's saying, you've got this. I'm, I've got your back. You're going to make it. And that constant, knowing that he's right there beside us, never going anywhere, never leaving us, never forsaking us, is that establishing us. And then strengthen, simply, that's what it means, to make strong, to strengthen. As he continues to walk with us, we get stronger and stronger, don't we? And he's speaking those words of encouragement and telling us who we really are. That's the exact opposite of the words that were spoken to us, but he's speaking to us that we're his beloved, we're his chosen, that we're his son, that we're his daughter. And that he will always be with us. He speaks his promises into our lives. He speaks destiny and purpose into us. And it builds us up and it makes us stronger and stronger. So we're not walking with that limp anymore. And our wounds are healing. And we're beginning to walk strong, arm in arm, with our Savior. And then that settle you. To found, to establish, and to bring peace. Which I see coming right out of that strengthening. Because as we get stronger, that peace comes. And we know that with him, we can take on anything. That it doesn't matter the words that are spoken to us in the future. He is our source. He's the only one that matters. He's the only one that we've got to please. It reminded me of a tough time I was going through a little while before I got married. And I remember being so down and out. And you ever had a moment where you felt like the whole world was against you? And many times you look back and you're actually surrounded by people who loved you. But you felt so alone and I remember having one of those moments and, and going through a little bit of a tough time. And I remember finally saying to the Lord, Lord, if the whole world turns against me and it's just me and you to the end, let's go. Let's go. That's part of that strengthening and knowing that he's always with us and that he'll never forsake us. So in conclusion, I want to give you a few things here because only he can heal the wounds of words. And so a few steps you need to take and I would mention this. Number one, we, we've got to forgive people. We've got to forgive. We know that many times that's easier said than done. It is a choice to begin speaking it. You may have gone through something very difficult in your life. You may need to get deliverance. You may need to go through the freedom class. You may need people to walk with you. But we have to forgive if we're going to make any progress. 
We've got to embrace the Lord, remembering that he is the only one that matters. Lord, if everybody turns against me and it's me and you to the end, so be it. Let's go. We've got to embrace him. Through his word, through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got to allow him to perfect, to strengthen, to establish, and to settle us. We've got to allow him to do it. We've got to allow him to mend those wounds that hurt sometimes. That may mean that we've got to go and we've got to do things we don't really want to do to try and make things right, to try and put out a fire that maybe we started. Or, you know, many times when words were spoken to us that wounded us, we hate to admit it, but many times we were at least partially at fault somewhere along the way. Not always true, but many times we spoke words that we regret as well. And we've got to take accountability for that. We've got to take responsibility for it. Amen? Uh, we've got to be willing to take the time necessary to walk it out. Life is a journey, isn't it? Through the good times, through the bad times, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. But he's always with us. And we've got to be willing to take the time, even in this culture we live in that wants everything right now, instant gratification, we've got to be willing to walk out process. We've got to realize that healing from this kind of thing doesn't usually happen in a day. doesn't usually happen in a week. Many times it doesn't happen in a year. But the process of healing does. It can, it, you start that process and over that period of time, as you allowed the Lord to touch these areas, that healing can come. Another big one I thought about was, we've got to be willing to let the junk go. We live in a society that says, it's okay to be mad. You just be... I understand what they're saying. I remember being angry, seeing the Twin Towers fall. I remember this week being angry that somebody walked into a church and shot up nine of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I tell you what, I have been so impressed with Charleston, South Carolina. White folks and black folks and Hispanic folks and blue-skinned folks all standing side by side, mourning together and telling that young guy, we forgive you. It's been the most, it's been amazing if we can see that kind of outpouring in our world, in our country, we're going to see healing that we've needed for a long time. Everybody's standing arm in arm. It amazed me. I don't know if, of course, some of the videos, you know, I saw on Facebook over the last couple of days, but one of them, the young guy on the football team who, uh, whose, whose mom was killed, and they're all praying over him in the name of Jesus. It was on the news. I think it was, it wasn't CNN. I don't remember. But they're all praying over him, and he's standing there, and he's, talking about forgiving this young man, you know, for what he did. And there's so many different examples. That's amazing to me. I pray that I could do the same thing in that kind of moment. We've got to be willing to let it go. They're going to struggle with anger for a while, but they can't hold it against this kid. They've got to forgive him and pray for him in the name of Jesus. He's going to go through the justice system. They're saying there's a good chance he'll get the death penalty. I pray that he receives Jesus where it's all over with. I do. And I pray that's what the whole church, the body of Christ, is praying on his behalf. We've got to also ensure that we don't hurt others in the same way that we've been hurt. Our society tells us that it's okay to get revenge, to get back at somebody. Well, they did that first. I mean, it used to be we just heard our kids say that. Well, they did it first. Now everybody's saying it. Why did you do that? Well, they did it. 
you are 45 years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> they did it. We do not have the right to hurt somebody else because we've been hurt. And we heard it said when we were young, sometimes you are the bigger man, the bigger one, by not having to have the last word, by not having to get back at somebody because of what they said. We've got to let the junk go to receive our healing. We've got to close. Let's bow our heads. Question as always, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? You may be here and you have never given your life to Christ. That is your first step. True healing doesn't come until you've surrendered your life to Christ. If that's you, all you've got to do today, when we pray, you just pray together. And the Bible says you speak the words and you believe. You back it up with the belief in your heart. And the Bible says that you'll be saved, that you'll be a new creation. The old passed away and everything new. God is the only one that can transform a life. Extreme makeover can't do it. It might can do a little bit of stuff to the outside, but only God can change the inside. I would ask, the same as I asked last week, have you surrendered your mouth to Jesus? When we talk about surrendering your life to Jesus, it means every area. Last week we had 12 people raise their hands. Have you surrendered your mouth to Jesus? Is he the Lord of that? Have you surrendered your right to be right? Have you surrendered your opinions? Man, opinions can be so damaging. And so often they, they just don't matter. Have you surrendered the justifications of your behaviors? We like to always come up with justifications for the way that we live, the things that we do, the things that we say. Have we truly surrendered? That's what it means to give your heart to Jesus. It's not a prayer. It's a surrender. It's saying, God, I give up. I'm done doing it my way. I'm going to live for you. You may have walked with Jesus all your life, but let me ask you this. Do you have a desire in your life? Do you have a desire in your heart to please God? Every time you mess up, does it, does it hurt your heart a little bit? Does it grieve you to know that you disappointed the Father? You find yourself quick to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Refine me again. Refine me some more. I would ask you, do you long to live a righteous life? Do you long to please God? That's what it means to be surrendered. That's what it means that when we say he's Lord of our lives. I want us to pray together with every head bowed. And if that's you, you would say you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to do so right now. Or if you would say, I did it once before, but I know I'm not living a surrendered life. I want to give up. I want to give up again and surrender everything to him. Or you may just be thinking of this message today and say, you know what? I've got to surrender my mouth, my thoughts, and things to him again. If that's you with every head bowed, lift your hand. Yes, who else? 
Who would say, I need to surrender to Jesus today? Two, three, four. Anybody else? Lift your hand up high. Five. Who would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus? Six, seven. Anybody else? Even if you didn't pray this prayer, I'm sorry, I mean, even if you didn't raise your hand, you can still get in on this prayer. All you've got to do is believe in your heart and everything changes. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I am so desperate for Jesus. I am so sorry that I've lived my life so selfishly. I thought I knew best. I was my own man, my own woman. (laughs) I did things my way. It didn't work. Today I surrender. Today I give everything to you. My thoughts, my desires, my dreams, my words, every part of me, I surrender to you today. I thank you, Jesus, for taking my punishment to go into that cross, even though you were innocent. Thank you for taking my guilt and shame. Thank you that you're making me a new creation. Refine me, Lord. Make me just like Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to be all that you've called me to be. I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them by your Holy Spirit. They would lay in their bed at night and they would hear your word. They would hear your voice. They'd hear you speaking. You'd hear them speaking. They'd hear you speaking value and purpose and destiny into them. I thank you, Lord, that you are the only one that can heal the wounds of words. And I pray, God, that as we submit ourselves, as we surrender ourselves for you, that you would come and you'd begin to sew up all those places that, that we've just been impaled with words that we've tried to hide, we've tried to put away, that we hope that time would heal. Lord, be the great physician. Sew us up, Lord. Perfect us as we surrender. Establish us as we surrender. Strengthen us, God, as we surrender. God, we thank you for your love. Thank you that you are the ultimate example of a father. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 890 1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.